One situation that I was personally involved with. Oh, there you go. Um, in Mayapur, with Srila Prabhupada, was a um, little, not exactly on the theme, but somewhat on the theme of devotees working together, and part of an essential part of working together is respect. Say, universe, without respect, how can you work together, or how can you even have a relationship with the speaker of work together? So, Prabhupada had a unique way of fostering that, especially when there was, like, some tension. So, here's the pastime of Prabhupada, the instruction that he imparted in, this, in a particular circumstance. Part of Prabhupada's schedule, generally and specifically also in Mayapur, when we had Mayapur festival, was after lunch, um, a few hours, about two hours after lunch, there was, commonly there was darshan, and the darshan room for Srila Prabhupada is very small. Those of you who have been to Mayapur, his room on the Lotus Building, and next to his room was the Darshan Hall. That's like small. So, not everybody seemed to know about it, but I found out about it, and so I was I was there as often as my schedule permitted me to be there. And um, everyone crammed into the room, and. I was seated like if, if that's the, the corner of the table, I was right here just looking at Prabhupada. And he then came in when everyone was seated and we all paid obeisances. And we looked at Srila Prabhupada silently. And it was he looked at us silently and started to get uncomfortable, at least for me. And my thought process was, it's like television. We're expecting him to entertain us. And that our relationship is, he's the entertainer, we're the entertained. Go, go Swami, go, entertain us. And he, but he didn't, he just looked around and nobody said anything. And so he just, he turned his attention to some papers that were on the, the desk and he just looked at some papers that were on his desk like, we weren't even there. The message that I got was that's not what a relationship with a spiritual master is, that he's you know, he's he's our entertainer. That it's something else. After some long period of time of just like moving some papers, looking at the next paper and so on, a girl in the back, a lady in the back, raised her hand. Prabhupada, can I ask a question? He looked up and she said something uh, very emotional and it wasn't so audible so I don't know exactly what she said. But it was something along the line of the women aren't treating, the men are not treating the women very nicely, Prabhupada. And then some other things about how the treatment wasn't nice. So Prabhupada tilted his head back 
looked at his secretary and said, what did she say? And he repeated what she said, and you know, the women aren't being treated very nicely, Prabhupada, this, that, and the other thing. And then, um, so everyone, like the stage was set for Prabhupada to blast the man for not treating women respectfully. And then Prabhupada spoke, um, this is my memory, I don't have the recording of, or the transcription of the talk, but my memory was Prabhupada supported her by saying, this is not very good. In Vedic culture, men should treat women with dignity and respect. And then he did a U-turn and said, but the women are then to treat the husband, they're to treat the men with great respect. And, and why is it that I see, and he, he, he cited ways in which women were agitating the men, and you know, the example of not covering their hair, and the example of wearing clothing that is not keeping their body covered and dressing in such ways, and, and, and attracting the attention of the men, and said, this is not very good. The, the, the woman should be very shy and, and chaste, and the men should be respectful towards the women. So he, he just set the balance between, you know, the emotions and who, there's no need to, um, one could recite lengths of descriptions of where women in our Hare Krishna movement, not by Prabhupada, but by followers of Prabhupada, have not been properly positioned and respected. Volumes and volumes and woeful volumes. But the, the way that Prabhupada addressed it was he set a balance rather than, you know, something way over here to him. He just took the position of balance. In order for there to be respectful dealings, there have to be respect, mutual respectful dealings was the message that I got. And it was a nice lesson. say, but uh, I guess the topic was um, uh, something from Prabhupada that uh, was talking about cooperation, (laughs) right? Am I correct on that? Okay. So, um, we're working together, and that's uh his theme, your love for me will be shown by. Well, this is kind of tangentially on the topic, uh, that uh, the first time I actually heard Prabhupada speak was in Mark's Meadow in uh, Golden Gate Park after the Rathiatra. I had no idea who Prabhupada was. I had never been to a Hare Krishna temple. I had never read any books. What year was that? What year? That was probably 74, 70, somewhere in that range of time. And uh, I had, you know, I knew zero about Krishna consciousness. I had come to the Rathiatra simply because my friend who had come to visit me wanted to go. Otherwise, I certainly wouldn't have been there. But I was about two blocks away from where I live because I lived right next to Golden Gate Park. And we followed the Rathiatra and then Prabhupada uh, was up on this big stage, probably about as high as, well, maybe about three quarters of height to this room here. And, you know, there was the 
deities, Jagannath, all the devotees of Bhadra. There was uh, Prabhupada Dias. There was a devotee with a big Chamra fan. I remember whisking Prabhupada like this. And Prabhupada began to speak in a microphone. And the, the only thing that stands out to me, he said, was that, uh, and so the hand has to take the prasadam and give it to the mouth. The hand cannot enjoy the prasadam separately. The hand, if it does not feed the mouth, the mouth starves, the body starves, the whole body starves. So the hand cannot enjoy the food separately. It must feed the mouth. And you know, having zero background, you know, I'm surprised I remembered it, but uh, this struck me and I thought, oh, it must be that in this society people are cooperating. <laughs> I, I, didn't, I didn't think of it as Prabhupada making an existential statement about human life and reality. I just thought, well, probably in his group people are cooperating and he's kind of, you know, taking this opportunity. <laughs> I didn't relate it to myself, but uh, certainly that's uh, one of the main keys that Prabhupada always um, pointed out is that we have to cooperate together and as individual parts we make a whole and together we work and if we don't work together then not only do we suffer but the whole suffers as well. So that's my Fantastic. little bit. <laughs> I'll just sit down Fine. if you don't mind. Um, this is a story this is maybe a little long. If this is a story about conflict in ISKCON and how Prabhupada dealt with it, and this is what Prabhupada described as the fratricidal war. It started in North America. Tamal Krishna Goswami had persuaded Srila Prabhupada to relieve him of his duties, at least temporary, as a GBC in India, so he could preach in North America with Vishnu Janan with a bus traveling bus party. And this became the Radha Damodar traveling bus party. And they were coming around to our temples. First they actually had Radha Damodar deities with them and were sitting on the college campuses and having bhajans and uh, serving prasadam and making devotees and traveling around with Tamil Krishna and Vishnu Janam together. Early on they stopped at my temple and their bus broke down, so I had them for about a month. Wow. And it was, it was a great experience for me. I mean, uh, especially Tom Krishna Goswami, you know, really, very much in, in, inspired me. And the, pro, the, the bus party grew, they got more buses. And at first, when a bus came to a temple, uh, you know, they were interesting and kind of like really far out and traveling. And, so some people in your congregation who were thinking of becoming devotees would join with them and go off. And then they got more buses and they needed more people. And then the next time they came, uh, maybe people would, brahmacharis would run away from your temple to join the Radhadamadar bus party. And uh, soon it was happening that, in fact, they had a strategy to come to temples in such a way and were preaching, as I found out, that, uh, that the temple presidents in those days are mostly householders. They, they are like, um, they, they, 
they, they're uh, in Maya. Huh? In Maya. No, not uh, they use they use an example. Uh, the, the 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 traveling devotees were like uh, uh, like Narada Muni. And who's the one with all that, with the sons that they, the Nardamuni? Daksha? Daksha. Daksha, yeah. The temple presidents were like Daksha, <laughs> who were preparing, preparing their, their brahmacharis, you know, for lives of Sanskrit, you know, householder life. Uh, and the, the Radha party is like Nardamuni. They were preaching like this, you know. And so it was a big concern in North America. And the temple presidents were pretty upset. And, uh, and so, and I was upset too because I had this really good relationship with Tamal Krishna and I was found him very inspiring and now he's basically, all his men are preaching against me. So I wrote a letter to Srila Prabhupada uh, asking him if this was the case. That as a, a temple president, I'm, I'm not, as a household, I'm not really, shouldn't really be, not fit to be a temple president. And what about this preaching? And other temple presidents in North America heard I was writing this letter, and pretty soon I had signatures of almost all of them. Grassroots. And and so the, the, at that time there was a the, the Mayapur meeting was supposed to happen. The, G, happened, the GBCs were going first, and then the the uh, temple presidents to join them uh, afterwards in the festival. So they were going first to the meeting. So to, to get this letter uh, to uh, uh, to Srila Prabhupada, I went up to New York. It was the, the downtown temple on West 55th Street, before she, that, that time, 55th Street. And uh, by then, people knew about this letter. <laughs> and anyway, I ended up giving it to Satsuruk Maharaj, to, who seemed to be neutral in this affair, to give it to Srila Prabhupada. Well, we came, uh, two weeks later, we came to Mayapur Festival only to discover, when the GBC resolutions were being read to us, that uh, basically uh, one, of the householder, uh, one of the householder GBCs in North America was being sent to Australia, uh, and that a resolution was passed that actually uh, uh, householders should be uh, better situated uh, outside of temples and earning money and generally the temples should be run by renounced people and so on. And then I discovered that the letter I had written and was signed by so many temple presidents had never reached Srila Prabhupada. It was <laughs> not gotten to him. And so the temple presidents uh, uh, sat down, we had a little conversation and started talking and then we were all together in the room for the first time and the different temple presidents began telling each other Radha Damodar horror stories. <laughs> and uh, the meeting uh, got pretty uh, lively and we were uh, taking notes and going to, you know, suggest uh, you know, something get to Srila Prabhupada. Uh, we had a second meeting, and and and, and then uh, word came down from Tamal Krishna that these meetings are giving Prabhupada a headache, and they should stop. And then somehow or other, we meetings? 
Huh? Yeah, there was informal meetings. It was just sort of gathering together and telling stories and trying to come up with some other proposals to give to 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 the to the GBC. Uh, and then when but but then when Prabhupada was asked, uh, he said no. Let the meetings continue. It was like really fine. Let it continue. You know? So we we were a little encouraged like that. So no, I didn't really know how things were, were going to go, but the, but the, but the, but then I heard some of this. What I heard later is that Prabhupada called the GBC together, and he said, "So your resolutions have created a revolution." <laughs> he said, "Resolutions, revolution, no solution." Dissolution. <laughs> what he said. So Prabhupada had this big thing on his hand, and, and yet, you know, so once he did not, you know, stop the temple presidents from from meeting, and and, and uh, oh, then I remember uh, that Tamal Krishna wanted to come and talk to the temple presidents. And then somebody says, don't let him talk to us, he'll brainwash us all. And the tension was building up every day. And, and then, then what happened is that we heard that Srila Prabhupada was sending Tamil Krishna Goswami to China. And it just... It was all over, you know. <laughs> I mean, it was just like that, just did, did the whole thing, you know. And, and uh, later, I had the long talks with Tamil Krishna about this, and to find out what was going on from from his his side. And, and he said, Tamil Krishna said that he was going to Srila Prabhupada. Oh, Prabhupada, I don't know what I did. I didn't mean to cause so much trouble. I'm like, what will I do? What will I do? I feel so bad. I might as well go to China. And then Prabhupada said, yes. <laughs> Krishna has spoken through you. <laughs> and, 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 and so then, you know, there's some changes made to the GBC resolutions and everything like that. But it is very, very interesting how Prabhupada, first of all, listened to the, the temple presidents and their concerns. And of course, he knew Tamal Krishna Goswami very well. You know, his nickname was, maybe you didn't know, was Turmoil. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 you know, he was very, very powerful, but like any very powerful per person, sometimes they, they can go turn it up to a little, a little heavy. But then he, he used Tamal Krishna to at least begin, uh, 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 you know, some, what will turn out to be extremely important preaching for uh, for China. So he also he he found something for Tamil Krishna to do that uh, at least removed this the difficult situation in North America, and at the same time really gave him what turned out to be an extremely important uh, service. Hare Krishna. Thanks. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. I was on that Radha North party. And we're inviting you. As are 90% of the brahmacharis. 
So I have two, two little stories. If the first story goes five minutes, then I'll leave it at that. If it doesn't, then I'll tell you the second story. But the, the, and they were very seemingly insignificant events, but they were profound events in my life which supported the concept that Prabhupada wanted us to be cooperative. And the first one was Radhadam and our party had uh, traveled uh, for the first time to India for the Mayapur festival. I think it was 1976. And there was a round <clears throat> guesstimate, 65, 70 brahmacharis and a number of sannyasis that were a part of the party. We were all allowed to go because um, there was a lot of book distribution and Prabhupada was very pleased at the, at the results of uh, the Radha Damodar traveling party's efforts. And um, so I was made the monitor. We, we, I, I want to say 30 devotees per room. <laughs> You know, although we, we were brahmacharis, so they didn't give us luxurious accommodations. They gave us one room and crammed as many of us in as possible. So Srila Prabhupada would go on a regular tour of the building, and um, we, we were in one room, and so Prabhupada was coming around the corner, we were on, in the corner room, and uh, Prabhupada was looking at the building and noticing, and he stopped at the, the room that I was monitor of, and he looked in. And I wasn't there, um, but uh, actually Tamal Kishamash told me this. But he looked in and he said, who is in charge of this room? And Tamal Kishamash, you know, looked over at Adi Keshva and Adi Keshva said, uh, he said, very good, very good. And the reason why he said very good, he, because it was clean. There were 30 brahmacharis living in one room. It was clean and it was orderly. That the, every morning you know, we were trained that after you, you slept, then there was a bucket of water and you would clean. So the room was spotlessly clean. And you know, when you get 30 guys living together and have something spotlessly clean. So the room was spotlessly clean and also all the sleeping bags were rolled up and lined against the wall. And Prabhupada noticed that and obviously it, wasn't a, a, a common thing when you know so many brahmacharis we could live in together would be that neat and clean. And Prabhupada asked who was in charge, and and, and Adikeshwar gave him my name. And Prabhupada said, "Very good. This is a very good sign of organization." And he was so we we somehow or another we were able to cooperate on that small level, and it, it captured the Mahabharat pure devotee of the Lord's attention that even something like that was a symptom of working together. And then another another instance was um, I in 1977, prior to Prabhupada's departure, I, I was temple, uh, temple president of Puerto Rico, and um, I was able to uh, get darshan with Srila Prabhupada, which moved me tremendously because, you know, here I was a really a nothing brahmachari, and I you know, had a small temple in Puerto Rico. I was sent there to do some book distribution, and then I was told to stay there and make it a temple. And so um, I, it was quite to my surprise that Srila Prabhupada was granting me darshan uh, with Adi Keshava. And then I was, I was just um, so uh, appreciative of the fact that Prabhupada showed so much interest in, in me and what the project was doing and how it was being managed. Prabhupada was asking me questions. How many devotees? Well, Srila Prabhupada, we have you know, 15 devotees. So they are all, they're all local men. I know Prabhupada there. 
Some are from the Dominican Republic, some are from Argentina, some are from the United States. We're kind of a, a cross-section. Oh, okay. And working together? Yes, working together? And I said, yes, Shiva Prabhupada, everyone is, is working very nicely together. And what are you doing? Every, I told Prabhupada that we would go out to the poor neighborhoods and we would do Harinam. In Puerto Rico, they're called barrios. And barrios means ghetto. So I said, we would go to the barrios or the poor neighborhoods and we would, all together we would, we would do Harinam and we would distribute prasadam. And then we would go out on book distribution. And, uh, you know, so I was telling Srila Prabhupada all the activities that we were doing. And, and Prabhupada just was very good. He said, and are you taking care of the devotees? And I said, well, yes, Srila Prabhupada, everyone seems to be enlivened. And everyone seems to be enthused about book distribution and Harinam and, and serving Shishi Gornita. He said, so I said, oh, very good. So I can understand, you know, that... It wasn't me, it was the fact that the devotees were inspired um, to fulfill the order of Srila Prabhupada. They, they knew um, that Srila Prabhupada wanted his books distributed, so every day they would go out. They knew that Srila Prabhupada liked the fact that we were going out in Harinam and distributing prasadam and encouraging the local people to become involved one way or another. And only recently, I, I, I was reading um, some um, commentary by Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur. And um, when I read that commentary, I, I, the light went off about how brilliant Srila Prabhupada's strategy in just doing these seemingly simple things was. And, and I read where he would, uh, Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur was talking about three types of Sukriti. Sukriti Bogan Mukti Sukriti, which means that you perform pious activity that gets you some material result. You plant a tree, a park, or do something like that. And then Mokshan Sukriti, that is actions, pious activities that would stimulate an interest, an interest in becoming liberated from the, the, the bondage of material existence and more towards Brahman realization. And then bhakti mukha sukriti, which means that activities, and then later on, very recently, I read exactly what that means. And then the, the commentary read that bhakti mukha sukriti means someone takes mahaprasad, someone sees the festival of Lord Jagannath, someone performs some uh, act of charity for a Vaishnava. And, 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 and the list went on, and, and, and each, each one I was thinking, Srila Prabhupada is so brilliant, that he knew that not everyone was going to shave up and become a devotee. He knew that. And all the millions and billions of people in the world, how many of them would actually become Vaishnavas? But he instituted programs which, done cooperatively, collectively, would be planting so many seeds of bhakti umukhi sukriti. That means that maybe not in this life, or maybe not at this juncture of their life, they would become devotees. But by tasting Mahaprasadam, seeing the festival of Lord Jagannath, or so many of the other festivals that he put on, taking a book, giving a donation, being kind to a Vaishnava, giving in charity, 
at hearing the chanting of the holy names, all of these things was planting millions and millions and millions of seeds, and eventually those seeds of, 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 of performing either knowingly or unknowingly um, some, some element of bhakti, some aspect of bhakti, that would give that person another opportunity when the time came to, to uh, take to bhakti or to perform another activity of, of bhakti. So, you know, like I said, the, the, the whole temple of Puerto Rico, you know, the Prabhupada's quite queries about what we were doing and his enthusiasm, even at that, it, it was literally a week before Prabhupada departed the planet. And, and, but his concern, his interest in what the devotees were doing and were they doing it together. And um, you know, it was uh, significant enough that even at that critical juncture, you know, Prabhupada was asking about that. He, was, he wanted to know that these things were going on. Hare Krishna. I was a little bit tangential. I was thinking about a, a pastime Prabhupada did in, in Brooklyn in 1972 in the summer. So I think Lord Bhagavan probably was there. But uh, the reason I, I, I thought about this was because I was there, but I wasn't actually there when this happened. But I, during those days, whatever Prabhupada did, there was always one, everybody wanted to find out exactly what happened at all times, and there was always talk going on like that. So it was very good. Like it's, all that stuff. <laughs> all that stuff. But uh, uh, plus, I knew a few of the devotees involved. So um, it was 72, and it was uh, Prabhupada stayed there for a short time in, in 1972 in New York, in Brooklyn. And what happened was there were lots of devotees from all over the East Coast and all over America who came there, and they were meeting with Prabhupada, and they were very strong and, uh, you know, uh, opinions and decisions being made, and uh, a lot of. Uh, a little bit of uh, arguing and stuff going on. But uh, the devotees who were in with Prabhupada in his quarters didn't have breakfast prasadam. So Prabhupada said, okay. He, he had a little a little kitchen. I remember yeah, that little yeah. kitchen there? Yeah, yeah. So he went in there and he started to make, he had those little kind of a gas, uh, portable kind of stove thing. He started to make granola, a little bit of granola in a wok. And so uh, the temple president in New York at that time was Rupanuga. And if uh, those who know Rupanuga, especially at that time, I don't know now, but at that time, he was, uh, as I was, uh, uh, really, uh, he liked prasadam, and he liked lots of prasadam. Uh, so uh, he went in there, and he was looking over Prabhupada's shoulder, and uh, he saw that there didn't seem to be very much in the, in the walk. And so he said, uh, oh, Prabhupada, you know, there are all these devotees who really need to take uh, to have the breakfast, I, I don't think that's enough. I don't think that's enough. And so, uh, Prabhupada said, no, no, that's okay. <laughs> so then he, he, uh, he walked out and he was, you know, they were waiting there. He went back in and said, but, but Prabhupada, you know, there's like 12 people here. They're hungry. And, you know, these are big guys. You know, like Rupert Inu is a big guy. These guys are big guys. And, you know, this, you sure that's enough? Said, oh, uh -huh. okay. So anyway, it went back and forth a little bit like that. So finally, you know, they, they, it was done. The, and the Prabhupada gave everybody some with his hand. And uh, Rupananga was the most skeptical of all, but he took that little bit 
And he said he was completely satisfied, as were everybody else. All these big guys, big guys. Uh, so this is kind of like you know how things work in Krishna consciousness. If you get, I mean, whether it's the 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 mercy, the prasadam, the instruction, the service directly from from the guru, then everybody everybody gets satisfied. If you're big and you have a lot of contention going on, still, that's the thing that makes everybody satisfied and quiet. Fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> you you remember that? I did, this is the first I've heard this. Oh, story. Yeah. <laughs> It was particularly uh, meaningful to me because I had mo most a lot of my service was in the kitchen anyway, with Prashad and and, and, uh, and I knew that when Rupanuga came to New York, I was always hungry as a brahmacharya before he came. <laughs> but he instituted three meals a day of Prashad. I don't know if you remember that. Because before that, before that, it was just we had like uh, you know a few chickpeas and and, and sometimes yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and then and then hot meal and chickpeas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then when when Rupanuga came, it was, you know, breakfast, lunch, dinner, prashadam for everybody, and it was a big deal. So, you know, he was really interested. I was prashadam, and I was also doing that kind of service. So, this was instructive. Thank you. Thank you. I, I forgot to add one thing to the story. One of the consequences, aside from Tamal Krishna's going to, to China, was that afterwards, it was instituted by Prabhupada. That after the GBC met, the temple presidents would all meet yeah. and review the GBC resolutions. And if we had any questions or proposals, send them up to the GBC. So that that was a system. So the temple presidents then had a formal voice in things, uh, and we did that for quite a few years. Then what began to happen is not very many temple presidents were coming to the Mayapur meeting, and there were just a few or a few just from India and stuff like that. So now we have another system, and, and what we're doing is we have our regional uh, 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 regional meetings with temple presidents and GBCs together, and, and that way uh, uh, temple presidents and other people have have a voice and input into in what is happening. And we have GBC deputies also who, who are, are kind of the second group who work with the GBC. But that's how that's how Prabhupada did it. Was was actually give give the temple presidents a voice that way. Okay, so we're going to move on.